This is Tech News for MBAs. I'm Professor Paul Canetti. It is March 19th, 2021. So I've been getting some feedback from some of you, and I truly appreciate it. So if I haven't heard from you, definitely feel free to write in to technews at paulcanetti.com or hit me up on Twitter or LinkedIn. I'm really curious to know what you like, don't like, what's valuable, what you skip 30 seconds ahead uh, when it comes on. I want to know everything about how you are experiencing this podcast so far. But one piece of feedback that I've been getting from some of our listeners is that I try to cover a lot of headlines, which of course makes sense. It's a tech news show, but that they would prefer if sometimes I went really deep on a particular topic uh, and perhaps at the expense of covering so many stories or so many headlines. And so, you know, it's funny when I'm putting the show together every week, some weeks there are really amazing stories to tell. And some weeks I'm just sort of filling in as many headlines as I can, because I want to make sure that we have, you know, three, four, five good stories. But some weeks there really aren't four or five good stories. And so in those weeks in particular, what I'm going to try is to really go deep on one amazing story. Um, Whereas in other weeks, if there really are four important stories, then we'll try to cover all four of them and sort of divide the time up by four. But This week, for instance, there's one really big story that I think is worth spending a little time on. And so I'm going to emphasize that. And the way it'll work is that one story will come before the break. And then after the break, we'll do random startup you never heard of. And just very quick after that, headline, 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 boom, 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 just so you're informed about what else is going on. As a reminder, this show is produced by me edited by me, recorded by me, researched by me. That's not to toot my own horn here. It's just to let you know that unlike other podcasts you might listen to that have a whole team behind it, it really is just me. And so the more feedback I can get from others, the better. And I'm going to continue to experiment with the format and try to find the optimal presentation for the tech news Uh, that we want to cover every week. And of course, a podcast is a living, breathing thing. The beauty of it is that it can change every week and it can evolve over time. Okay, and let's get into our top story for this week. Fintech company Stripe has raised a fresh $600 million at a valuation of $95 billion. Isn't it just frustratingly close to $100 billion? Like, why not just round up at that point? So where does this put Stripe relative to other privately held companies? Last month, SpaceX was valued at $74 billion. So now Stripe is out of them. And on a world scale, there are still a couple of companies more valuable that are not yet public, both in China, Jack Ma's Ant Group, and ByteDance, the parent company of TikTok. So Stripe is number three worldwide, number one in the US. Pretty big is the takeaway here. Now, Stripe 
might be a company that you've heard of, but surprisingly, a lot of people don't know a lot about Stripe that are not in the world of finance or financial technology or technology in general. It is not as well known of a consumer brand as some of its competitors like PayPal or Square. It was founded in 2010 by two brothers, the Carlson brothers, originally from Ireland. Uh, They were in their early 20s, I believe, when they founded the company. Stripe raised money early on from two of the founders of PayPal, Elon Musk and Peter Thiel. You might have heard of them before. And they participated in the startup accelerator Y Combinator. Y Combinator basically is a program that helps early stage startups accelerate their business. Other alumni of Y Combinator include Airbnb, Dropbox, Instacart, and many other companies that you've heard of. And so Stripe is in good company there. What Stripe does is Stripe makes adding e-commerce functionality to your website or app incredibly easy. And so Stripe really provides a set of products where the customer for those products are developers. At its core, Stripe sells access to what are called APIs. API stands for Application Programming Interface. And basically what you need to know is that an API allows one piece of software to talk to another piece of software. So when you have two different software applications, they might have been built by two different teams, they might be on two different devices, how can they send information back and forth between the two? Well, that's what an API is designed to do. These days, there are a lot of businesses built around API services like this, but Stripe was one of the first to mainstream this idea where basically, rather than building out your own payment solution on your own website, you could use the Stripe API and say, okay, I would like to charge this user $20. And you send that request to Stripe via the API, and then they respond with, okay, no problem. You send them the credit card information, they send you back a confirmation. And there's just a back and forth between your software and Stripe's software, and the API is the interface between the two. I remember when we were first building Maz and we were trying to figure out how to accept payments. We were trying to implement some sort of JP Morgan Chase online payment system, and it was incredibly cumbersome, and we were on the phone back and forth with them trying to figure out how it would work. And then someone told us about Stripe. This was probably in 2011, right when Stripe was just starting out. And so we'd never heard of it, but what they were offering sounded too good to be true. Just basically copy and paste a couple of lines of code onto your website, and all of a sudden you can accept credit card payments. And sure enough, it really worked, and we never looked back. Today, Stripe powers payments for companies like Lyft, Slack, Amazon. They also power payments for platforms like Shopify and many, many, many startups that you've never heard of. If you're paying for some sort of SaaS software like Zoom, where you are paying Zoom every month to use their video service, those payments are being processed through Stripe. Stripe takes a 2.9% fee off all of those transactions, plus 30 cents per 
transaction. So if you charge $10, Stripe will take $0.29 cents plus $0.30, cents, so they get $0.59 cents off that $10 charge. And because Stripe is used by so many websites and so many apps and so many services, it's almost like they're taking a 2.9% fee off the entire internet. You don't realize it, but a ton of the money you pay online is being processed by Stripe behind the scenes, and they are taking a toll off every single one of those transactions. When I think about my own career as an entrepreneur, Stripe has taken a percentage of every dollar I've ever made in the last 11 years. So what an incredible business in that it enables and empowers other businesses to transact online and then takes a fee from each and every one along the way. So I mentioned at the beginning that maybe Stripe is not as well-known of a consumer brand as PayPal or Square, some of the other leading fintech companies. But I believe that is Stripe's entire strategy. It's to be behind the scenes. It's to be under the hood. It is to empower other businesses to grow rather than to be out in the spotlight taking the credit themselves. The moral of the story is that Stripe will continue to grow in value as the internet itself grows in value. The more money that is transacted online, the more money goes through Stripe. Stripe's valuation just a year ago was about a third of what it is now. And so they've tripled in value over the duration of the pandemic. And we discussed in last week's episode how a lot of tech businesses have really benefited from this transition from offline to online as a result of the pandemic, a change that I see as inevitable but was accelerated over this last year. And Stripe has certainly been a beneficiary of that acceleration. The last thing I wanted to mention, by the way, is that this new round of funding, again, $600 million they just raised, was led by Ireland's National Treasury Management Agency, which is basically the department of the Irish government that is responsible for managing the assets and liabilities of the Irish government. And so, you know, they could invest Ireland's money in bonds or gold, but they're putting a lot of it into Stripe, the product of two sons of Ireland And I just think it's really cool to come full circle and to have the Irish government making a major investment into your company. Okay, hopefully you learned a bit more about Stripe. We're going to take a 15 second break and then we'll be back with random startup you've never heard of. Bounce House helps you sell one-on-one sessions and group classes online built for one-person businesses like personal trainers, yoga instructors, and nutritionists. Bounce House is giving away a thousand free licenses to those affected by the pandemic. Go to bounce.house to learn more. That's bounce.house. Bounce House, sell your service online. Once upon a time, Stripe was a random startup you'd never heard of. Now they're worth almost $100 billion. So let's find out this week's random startup you've never heard of. This week's random startup you've never heard of is called Shelf Engine. Shelf Engine is an artificial intelligence system that helps grocery stores optimize their inventory management. Typically, when you have a grocery store, 
you are essentially taking your best guess of what produce you need to buy, how much of it and when. And for perishable items, that can mean a lot of lost money if things are spoiling before people eat them or if you sell out of milk and more people want to buy it and you didn't buy enough, right? So matching supply and demand is really tricky when you are selling something that has an expiration date. Shelf Engine just raised $41 million to help solve this problem. It's a great example of how something like AI can help with all sorts of problems that you're probably not thinking of. People think AI, they think of the Terminator, not grocery inventory management. But artificial intelligence is just that. It's intelligence. And just like human intelligence, it can be applied in many, many, many different areas. And usually it's way better at whatever task it's been set to accomplish. You can check it out at shelfengine.com in case you happen to own a grocery store. And that was this week's random startup you've never heard of. Let's try some rapid fire tech headlines. Facebook launched Instagram Lite, a stripped down version of Instagram for Android aimed at new emerging markets where they're selling very low end Android phones with slow internet connectivity. So loading the normal version of Instagram is just too big and too slow to use and enjoy. So they have Instagram Lite. This follows in the footsteps of Facebook Lite and Facebook Messenger Lite and reminds us that the growth potential for services like Instagram are outside of the developed world. And as new emerging markets come online, quite literally, you have people that are getting online to the internet for the very first time with these low-end smartphones. They're going to need apps that can run on those low-end phones. TikTok is no longer going to offer their users the ability to opt out of personalized ads. I actually did a session on product strategy for a team at TikTok yesterday. It was really interesting to learn more about their company. Personalized ads are under scrutiny generally due to privacy concerns, ad tracking, things like that that you've probably heard about. On the other hand, personalized ads are much better for the advertiser because they're actually showing you something that you think you might actually buy, which means there's a higher likelihood of you actually buying that thing or clicking on that thing or taking action on that ad. But arguably, they're also better for the user. Wouldn't you rather see something that actually is pertinent to your interests rather than something totally random or generic? This move by TikTok is also coming around the same time that Apple is changing its rules about opting in or out to different sorts of advertising tracking. And so you're going to start seeing a lot more pop-ups on your iPhone. Do you want to let this app track your ads? And so as TikTok continues to scale and grow, they need to adhere to the rules of the road set by Apple and Google and the other platform providers. And they need to think about the most efficient way to start monetizing their growing audience. And lastly, Uber will start paying their drivers in the UK minimum wage and offering employee benefits. And that's because a new decision by the British Supreme Court has ruled that Uber drivers are, in fact, Uber employees. This is a hotly contested debate in many countries around the world. 
Are Uber drivers contractors? Are they employees? Because there are really big ramifications there, legally, tax-wise, and of course, for the benefit of the drivers. And it has a big impact on the bottom line for Uber. Of course, this is not only about Uber, but any sort of service that has this two-sided marketplace of lots of people doing tasks on behalf of the company. Think like Postmates, DoorDash, TaskRabbit, and many others. Interesting decision in the UK. We will see how it pans out for those drivers, for riders of the service, and for Uber's financials. That's a wrap on tech news for MBAs for this week. Spring is coming. Here in New York, a great time to go for a walk and listen to a podcast. I'm Professor Paul Canetti. I'll see you next week for more tech news for MBAs.